0: Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett, and I hope to provide a moment of sanity in a busy week of ministry. Now, I've worked in ministry for over 17 years and have seen just about everything. And as damaged as I am, I'm ready to dive into the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every minister has. So I am flying solo today. We're in the midst of kind of summer season, and there's some VBS and some other things where our normal recording time has been threatened by logistics. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and fly solo. I hope you enjoy this wild ride with me. This episode, we're going to do three stories, three stories with Uncle Chris. Sit down for story time with Uncle Chris today and, uh, and then give insights. So these are actually personal stories for me, maybe a little bit goofy, but they all come back to a point that relates to a ministerial reality. So buckle up and enjoy the ride. The first story involves me being a pit parent. At swim team, uh, my kids are in swim team. It's great. you got to wake up way too early in the morning. And then as they arrive, a pit parent is someone who stays in the the area. So I was with the 7- and 8-year-old girls, so they're all grouped together. And when they arrive, you write their events on their arm in Sharpie. And so you go ahead and put event 1, heat number 2, lane 4, 1-2-4 on their arm. These kids come ready. But some of them put sunscreen on on their arm beforehand, so the Sharpie starts to wear out pretty quick because it's getting that film on it. So I would stand there and write on a girl's arm, and the Sharpie would start to fade. And it's important information because these kids don't know, oh, what race is next. They just can look at their arm, or rather we can look at their arm and find out which race is next for them. So I'm ferociously shaking the Sharpie, holding the back of it and shaking the Sharpie so that the Sharpie juice, the ink, uh, the... <laughs> The permanent ink will go ahead and flow from the back of the Sharpie to the tip of the Sharpie and be more moist to go ahead and combat the sunscreen. A Sharpie shaking like crazy. And after a few minutes, I go ahead and look over and there's this little kid sitting right behind me. Mind you, I would pull the Sharpie away and shake it kind of well, really right where he is. And he is covered in Sharpie, like covered in Sharpie, speckled and splattered. It was kind of like one of those paints where, you know, like a a Monet or no, that's not it. One of those fancy new agey paint things where they just kind of splatter the paint on to make the artwork. And he was covered in it. I felt bad and I moved on to kind of the next thing and uh, about 20 minutes later I go to the restroom and there in the restroom is this child with his father and they are scraping the heck out of him head to toe like on his face like one half of his face had all these splatters from Sharpie and they're wiping like crazy wiping like crazy trying to get it off and I'm in the bathroom and I go ahead and I approach him and I apologize I'm super sorry. And, uh, and, and and the kid doesn't know what to say, but the dad thanks me for trying. And then I move on. And now I'm very aware of my spatial presence when I have a Sharpie in my hand, because if I need to shake it to get it to work a little bit better, I shake it away from innocent children. It was an innocent bystander that just had a rough morning because of me. Now, how does this relate to ministry? Well, that child was in a blind spot for me. I was trying to be successful in the task that I was given. And in ministry, I think that we need to be aware of the blind spots because sometimes when we move forward in our our ministry and we, we we can lose the sense of collaboration that I believe God desires us to have, but also the opportunity of community for others to be aware of what's going on in our ministry, but also for us to be aware of what's going on in the ministry life around us as well. And so whether that's scheduling space and making sure that, okay, there's first communions on this day, but I wanted to host my dodgeball game on this day, and now there's not enough parking, we're shaking Sharpie on people here. And so we have to have um, an openness to be aware of what's going on around us, and we also should seek to have people in our life that will go ahead and let us know, hey, Chris, you're shaking the Sharpie too close to someone right now and you could cause damage. And so be aware you your Blind Spots ministry leaders. Be aware of the different aspects of your ministry and its implications on other ministries, and vice versa, what other ministries might impact. So don't schedule a retreat on the parish festival. That would be shaking Sharpie on someone. Um, be aware of space, resources, time, right? So I heard this story of a father who was really excited to see a Star Wars movie with his child. But the youth ministry went and did that at a discipleship night and really took that opportunity away from the father. And so communication is a great way to avoid and Sharpie on people as well. Nevertheless, I ask for your prayers for this young man who was probably still traumatized from that fateful day a couple years ago when he got Sharpie shook on him. Our next story comes when I've traveled Europe, so I was blessed to go to a study abroad program where we had three-day weekends, and so I stayed over in Garming, Austria, with uh, Franciscan University's study abroad program. And every Thursday afternoon, we would travel away and get back every Sunday evening. And we had some longer, ten-day trips, uh, two 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 big breaks where we got to go on big trips. And I think this was one on one of those breaks. Nevertheless. I'd been on an overnight train traveling forever. Now, I can go without sleep for fairly, uh, fair amounts of time and still function. But if I get hungry or hangry, I start to lose my uh, faculties in regards to being able to execute fair judgments or (laughs) live as a Christian, be charitable. And I was hungry. I was so hungry at that time. That I was just, let's go and get some food. So we're in the Paris train station. It's Paris North, that train station. And we've got this layover between one train and the next, about three and a half hours before our next train comes. It was already like 11 o'clock at night, maybe a little bit later. And I was just, I was starving. So I said, let's go get some food. So me and a friend of mine, Maria walked out and we found a, a gas station, convenience store. I don't know if it was a gas station, but it was definitely like a convenience store, um, probably about a quarter mile away. It was actually visible from the train station, but it was up a hill a ways. And so we started walking up there and we get there and I shake the front door and it's locked. But I look inside and there's people and they're getting stuff. There's probably five or six men that are in the store. And it looked like they were shopping. The lights were off, too. But I was like, if they're in there getting food, <laughs> then I want to be with them getting food. So I knock on the door. And when I knock on the door, all five men looked at me at the exact same moment. And Marie grabs my arm and simply says, hey, Chris, come with me. And I said, OK. And she goes, just start walking. OK. Obviously, I was on board because she probably knew a side entrance to get this food because that is The only place that my mind was. And she goes, Chris, don't look back now. So now she's walking very quickly. Don't look back now, but one of the men is following us. I was like, okay. And she goes, Chris, they were robbing the store. So they were. They were robbing the convenience store. And I was like, hey, guys. Hey, guys, could you give me some food? And and, and it was someone else's perspective that was able to see. And this is a little bit different than a blind spot. But I was definitely moving in the wrong direction. So we need to find a guide or someone that can grab us by the arm and redirect us in ministry when we get lost, when we lose our way, or when we're about to slip into trouble. Now, slipping into trouble is something that we don't do intentionally. We don't ever intend to hurt someone or anything along those lines. I think of one area that oftentimes happens where we slip into trouble is when we get married to the content of the night or some sort of aspect that we planned and logistics or the Holy Spirit has come and changed things up to where you can't go back. And so what I've seen happen is these retreats where people take people on and it gets late. And one talk or one testimony that was supposed to be 10 or 15 minutes long ended up being 30 or 45 minutes long and we want to respect what's going on because there's tears coming out of their eyes or whatever it is, when really as the leader, we should say, okay, uh, wrap it up in the next two minutes. I know you're at a very sensitive or intimate spot or a a great part of your story. Go ahead and wrap up this section and we'll move on to the next piece of the schedule. Or maybe to say, no, this is exactly where God wants us right now. And so we're going to continue, but we're going to cut pieces of the schedule later on in the retreat. But what I've seen is these retreats that have happened to where they're going to bed at two or three o'clock in the morning, because things just get a little bit longer here and a lot longer there and a little bit longer there. And ministry leaders are married to the content that they prepared. Retreats, there's a lot of work that goes into those type of big events, and so we need to have someone that's able to say, "No, Chris, listen. <laughs> they're going to be robbing our participants of sleep, and then they're going to go back home to their families and be exhausted." and their families are going to say, I don't want my child or my spouse to ever spend a weekend with Christ again because they come back grumpy, exhausted, and worthless. No, retreat is meant to be a time of renewal. And so in that same regard, we need someone with a different perspective, and then we need to be willing to listen to them. Now, all of us in ministry have different people, especially in ministry leadership, that we value their opinions on different levels, right? And so I kind of consider myself as having a number of people that I gain feedback from and gain insight because they have different perspectives. But then I also have people that are a little bit more on my inner circle to where they can tell when I'm when I'm running on empty. When I'm and when I'm not leading from the spirit but then I'm leading from from myself or even from frustration and they're able to speak truth into me and so i have to be able to listen to those people <laughs> marie in the convenience store robbery was a little bit more direct and she grabbed my arm and said chris follow me and i was i was smart enough or wise enough or, or the holy spirit nudged me just enough to where i did otherwise i might have gotten i mean i might have gotten to be a bloody mess in paris by a bunch of people robbing a uh, a convenience store there so Stakes might not be the same, but they're definitely as high because there are souls at stake. So keep that in mind that you have other people with different perspectives or sets of eyes and that you're open to conversation as ministry is taking place or during the ministry cycle when ministry is going on so that they can help redirect you if and when needed. Now, my third story is actually from freshman year in high school. If you guys could believe it, I wasn't the coolest kid in high school. In all fairness, I'm not the coolest person now. I dabbed with someone just the other day just to be silly, Um, but they're like, dabbing is so like a year and a half ago. And I was like, don't you mean six months ago? (laughs) And they said, no, it was dead a year and a half ago. And I was sad because I just got into it. I'm a a late adopter. I was a late bloomer in high school. So here I am, freshman year of high school. Half the guys have voices that are kind of changing. I still have one that sounds like a a female, like I had a very feminine voice um, until puberty, and puberty didn't come until junior year. Yes, maybe I'm oversharing right now, but here we go. I was a scrawny, skinny freshman in high school, and Derek was put on coverage for me in flag football during the physical education thing that we did. Now, Derek... First of all, if you're named Derek, don't take offense, but most of the Derek's I've met, and by most I mean 100% of the Derek's that I've met and encountered and gotten to know in my life, I've had a negative experience with. There have been three or four Derek's and they all played baseball or were bullies or something like that, and I know it's more than half my life ago and I should uh, maybe talk to someone about it, but Derek was put on me and he was not nice to me consistently he went to my middle school which was rare because i went from a public middle school to a catholic high school and only a few of us went over and some of us got closer because of it but not with me and so i was really kind of on my own and i made this buddy nick and it was great so it, there's a happy ending i'm i'm fine i'm fulfilled i'm happy but in the moment i was this scared freshman that was getting picked on by this kid and then we go to physical education and we play flag football and they're like, well, in the first five yards, you can bump the person. And so he's bumping me the whole time, like just hitting me the whole time. And I'm trying to outrun it and he's grabbing me. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with football, bumping you can do, but holding is actually a, a, a penalty, right? Well, as you can imagine, the uh, the gym teacher, the gym coach at that time wasn't super invested in following the rules and, and throwing a bunch of flags. He was more invested in watching the quarterback and scouting for his own program Because you got to find out which players are the great players and the not so great players, a.k.a. the Chris Bartlett's of the world at freshman year. uh, You just kind of ignore so that you can let the other ones rise to the top, which is fine. I understand. I appreciate that perspective. But Derek was grabbing a hold of me, like grabbing my arms so I couldn't get open. And I was fast. I was scrawny, but I was fast. And so there was one point where this came to a head after three or four times of him doing it. um, Derek stopped. And he's holding me, and I turn around like I'm angry at this point, because I was I was open, or I could have been open. And I turn around to say, "Derek, stop!" And I literally say that. But as I turn around, my other arm, because I turned around so fast, starts to rise up. He was holding on my shirt at this time. My other arm starts to rise up just because I'm turning so fast, in centripetal force, and it rises up, and I say, "Derek, stop!" Right as my arm flies and slaps him right across the face, like backhands him, boom, right across the face. So now we've got this kid, Derek, who has bullied me since seventh grade, and I just smacked him pretty hard right across the face. And I yelled, Derek, stop, and he goes, okay. And that was the last time in my history so far, I mean, I doubt we'll see each other, but the last time in my history that Derek bullied me. It took me standing up, on accident to this kid in order to be free from the, the snare of his, his bullying or the snare of his, his insults or even the physical, um, the physical bullying that, that was taking place. And how does this relate to ministry? Well, there is the analogy in confirmation. They used to slap the kids and maybe we bring that back, but I'm not going down that route. What I'm talking about is in ministry, a lot of times there are certain things that threaten ministry. And we need to stand up. We need to stand up, and we don't just need to stand up for ourselves as ministers. And I think that there's a number of different uh, pieces of dysfunction that exist, and I think Pat Lezioni and all the organizational health books out there, Crucial Conversations, there's a lot of different things that you can read to talk about to stand up for yourself as an employee. But when I talk about things that threaten the ministry, It really puts us as a ministry leader in a unique spot because we have been entrusted to lead the ministry. And so standing up in the ministry actually means advocating. The ministry of advocacy is one of the components that the bishops talk about in comprehensive youth ministry in a document called Renewing the Vision. And I haven't really understood that fully in my time in in ministry, but I'm seeing it more and more that we need to advocate. And there's a lot of different ways that we can advocate. Sometimes you see that the, uh, the grumpy old men have the, uh, the, the market cornered on being ushers, right? And so we need to advocate to that community. If we have some young, um, some young men in our youth program or some uh, other people that, uh, that want to serve in that way, advocacy is necessary. If there's systemic uh, issues to where at, say, your uh, uh, parish festival, the teens are asked to volunteer – Or a certain ministry is asked to volunteer, but they're only doing trash or cleanup or these less desirable jobs. Not that it's beneath, but that they can actually offer more. Maybe even in your own program, if you see certain people with gifts and talents, to advocate to them to share them in appropriate ways. You know, George, you're amazing with your knowledge of the faith, but you've never been behind the microphone. I'm going to advocate and I'm going to ask that you speak behind the microphone, and give a talk sometime this semester, or lead a presentation. Maybe to someone else who's always been on a, uh, a meal team or a more service-focused ministry, but you see the way that they can connect with people, to get them in a classroom or leading a small group or journeying with people, not just uh, serving or, or meeting a function, and advocating. And so I know not all those are threats to the ministry. There's other things that are threats to the ministry. But to advocate and to stand up and to recognize that in that moment with Derek, I was standing up for myself on accident, but nevertheless, it happened, right? But we're standing up for like God's mission in our church, God's mission that has been entrusted to us. And with that, we need to advocate because it's not for us. Now, I don't know if you've ever asked for money in regards to acquiring benefactors or things like that. In ministry, we have to stand up, we have to advocate on behalf of those that we serve. And sometimes it's going to look like or even feel like we're advocating for ourselves. So uh, one example would be some ministry leaders out there might be in a situation where their salary doesn't meet the needs that they have with their family. And maybe, just maybe, or their livelihood, you know, maybe, just maybe they're living a very modest livelihood and they have a big student loan from a private university because they have a degree in theology in order to execute that role as a ministry leader. Advocating for a raise actually is advocating for stability in ministry leadership. It's not just advocating for you, it's also advocating for the ministry. And so try and get that perspective, that bigger perspective. Why is advocacy in this regard or that regard going to be healthy for the ministry that you lead? And Then where the analogy of the story falls short, I would say be direct, which is what happened when I accidentally hit Derek. Be direct, uh, be clear, but I wouldn't say be forceful. You don't need to uh, execute violence on anyone in order to advocate effectively, but to stand up for yourself, I do think it is important to make it clear and intentional. And again, you don't have to do it when you feel the tug. There's probably more appropriate ways than when someone's tugging on your shirt in the middle of a football game or something like that. Probably more important, uh, uh, appropriate ways in ministry settings to go ahead and say, "I'm going to need to meet with you sometime. Can you schedule a meeting? When's a good time for us to meet? Sit down in private. Go ahead and have that conversation." So that is the, the three stories. The pit parent don't don't shake sharpie on people. The Paris convenience store robbery, do not, do not, do not have blind spots where people aren't at least guiding you. Have people in your life, in your ministry that are going to redirect you. And then finally, Derek and flag football, at freshman year when I was just a skin and bone kid, advocate, stand up for yourself, stand up for your ministry, stand up for those that you're ministering to and their needs to look at those things. And to be a voice for the voiceless at times, and to advocate for the parish to invest, not to expense. And that's one thing that I really, really like in regards to language, is when when I look at uh, you know when when someone is hired and they have a salary that they don't cost the parish that much. That's what the parish is investing in that person to do the ministry or in that ministry that that person is leading. And so always see, especially when it comes to advocating financially. See it as investment. I'm asking the parish to invest more in this area, and this is why. So great. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. (laughs) Joining me. Matt Rice, I miss you, and I look forward to recording with you again sometime soon. But I want us to continue the conversation online. If you have a fun story that has an anecdote that ties... Ties in, let us know and bring it on. We would love to have you as a guest on a Ministry Leaders Anonymous story time, um, an episode like that. Uh, but also send your feedback, any feedback you have, questions, concerns, or even blind spots. Chris, the store is getting robbed. You have a blind spot. I need to redirect you here. Go ahead and do that at org, and share this podcast with someone. Get the word out. We want to make this a movement in ministry so that we can speak to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that ministry leaders have. And you guys, we are not the only ones that have these. We have to grow our community. Here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. So take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders. Take some time in prayer to reflect on your own experiences, your own stories, and see what God wants to tell you or teach you about ministry from those. And we will see you next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless you.